Tonight, we will be partaking of a liquid repast as we wend our way up the Golden Mile, commencing with an inaugural tankard in the first post, then onto the old familiar, the famous cock, the cross hands, the good companions, the trusty servant, the two-headed dog, the mermaid, the beehive, the king's head, and the hole in the wall for a measure of the same, all before the last bittersweet pint in that most fateful terminus, the world's end. Leave a light on, good lady, for though we may return with a twinkle in our eyes, we will in truth be blind. Drunk! Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we have nostalgia for, we then revisit it and review it to find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020, or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. I'm your host, Connor O'Keen, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Michael Gerbaz. How are you doing, Michael? I am full, Connor. Full? Nice, full of nice what? and full, because I just had a Cornetto for dessert. Hey, beautiful. <laughs> what a good segue. Yeah, amazing segue. Jeez. Perfect segue. Holy moly. Fucking what are we reviewing Edgar tonight, Connor? Hire us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are hitting the the final entry in the Cornetto trilogy, the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy, the trilogy that goes by so many fucking names. The World's End, the 2013 uh, sci-fi comedy movie from Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, uh, starring Pegg, Nick Frost, Patty Considine, Considine, how do you say that? I don't know. Oh, fuck it. Patty, sorry, bro. Uh, Martin Freeman, Eddie Marson, and Rosamund Pike. Film follows five friends who discover that there's an alien invasion in their old hometown during a pub crawl. So, so this movie. Um, let's let's get our own nostalgia kind well, of out of the way. Well, this is funny because this is this is the first movie that we actually knew each other. Like we knew each other before this movie came out. At this point, we were friends. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So we yeah. were both. And I don't think we've ever discussed. Gust it. No, not particularly. I really? remember that we were like hyped. We were like, oh man, you see the trailer? Like, oh, I can't wait yeah. to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, we both knew that we were like fans of that at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we did discuss it, I I think it was fleeting. It wasn't a, a great in-depth 50-minute plus podcast discussion. <laughs> so <laughs> nah, we're not going to be- uh, for, for Nothing's going to be stale. You, yeah. Ladies and germs. About this, this talk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, certainly won't be retreading old ground for ourselves. That's right. So, can you saw it in cinemas then? I'm assuming. This, yes, this is the only one of the three that I saw in cinemas. Ah, cool. And I really fucking loved it. Um, it was, it was really good to have that experience seeing it in the cinema. Um, I feel like this one more than the others would benefit from the cinema experience. Um, How so? In the way that. I guess the way I think, uh, I think that World's End is the most different of the three. Uh, where definitely Shaun of the Dead feels like okay, this is like your good concept. It's got good groundwork, but they're a bit young. They're still mm. figuring stuff out. And then Hot Fuzz is like that same style of comedy, but just cranked up to eleven, just so fast and so witty. And there's just a, a mm. mile a minute. There's nothing that isn't just comedy gold, like we said last mm. week. We'd both say it's probably a perfect film mm-hmm. for what it's trying to do. World's End takes the the stuff, those elements in the first movie of the romantic comedy relationship kind of stuff um, mm. and, and also the uh, deadbeat friend problem. So those both of those sort of relationships have a like a mirror in this film that those themes are woven throughout the entire film and there's a lot less comedy and more sincere, real drama stuff going on. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's definitely the darkest film tonally of the three, I think. Mm, yeah. So is that that's that's how you felt about it at the time? Like, is there anything else that stuck out to you? I th- I guess that I guess it's no. It's more like I like I really like that stuff in this movie. All of that, mm-hmm. the really emotional. The feels like it's got a lot of heart in terms of the the themes of what the characters are going going through and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I really, I think I liked that then, but watching it now, I can recognize that I like that's something that I really like about this movie, and that's something that doesn't it do, the the Shaun of the Dead doesn't hit for me. That's what we I mentioned sure. in that first episode. Yeah, where yeah. Where I was yeah. like, oh, like it kind of like it frustrates me when those like the drama stuff happens and the conflicts happen where in this it's completely sold me on it. Yeah. I was, but no, I enjoyed it at the time. I noticed how different it was and I wasn't sure what to make of it, whether I liked Hot Fuzz more or this more because of, because of that. Um, Yeah. I think it's definitely not as funny a movie as Hot Fuzz. I think that they're trying to uh, go for some more sincere moments. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think like the Shaun of the Dead hits it with the the moments when his mum's dying. Yeah. That feels really like emotionally earned and effective. Yep, yeah. But this just I feels say, like I would it. say Philip dying as well. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Like I think that um that that I, I I've been thinking about that moment uh more since the podcast, just because it's one of those things I, I mean I'm sure you've had this too where after podcasts you'll go, Oh fuck, I didn't mention this or <laughs> yeah. like oh, fuck, I forgot to mention this. Like I think the Should have thought on it stewed on it more before we recorded it or or written down notes so you didn't forget yeah exactly the moment of sean uh kind of having to like in the moment and on the the fly in the midst of a zombie apocalypse recontextualize what he previously saw as a uh a really bad relationship or fraught relationship with philip he's kind of realizing that that philip had that was doing his best and had the best kind of intentions and and genuinely cared about him uh, and that that's a like that's a window that's closed for yeah. him. Uh, yeah, I think just that's a, just a cool, when he's cool realised and they've mm. kind of reconciled it, then he's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. The the there's heart to Shaun of the Dead, but the conflict and the drama in that movie is compared to this very very surface level. Yeah. I mean, when I saw Shaun of the Dead, uh, I was I was like 13, so I was or t- maybe even 12. Uh, so I was was effectively a child. So the the like man child thing was entertaining and relatable on on some level, and has become more relatable on on a deeper level for me as I've grown older. And now I'm you know I'm, I'm 27. I'm I'm about the age that those characters uh, are, and certainly the age that um, Simon and Edgar and stuff were when they were making Spaced and that kind yeah. of slacker uh, comedy stuff. Um, so I get it there. And then and then Hot Fuzz. Is it's relatable, but on a much broader, uh, in a much broader sense, and it's the most f- most fun. Like there's there's that one moment of uh, of Danny talking about when his mum died that we talked about, which was really sad. But and there's yeah, a, the yeah. joke in that moment. But mm. other than that, it's mostly just like your fun at popcorn action movie. Yeah, totally. And there's there's stuff you can read into, but it's not um, they're exploring and and perhaps illuminating something about the human experience is not on their list of priorities for that movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whereas here, and, that feels and that, that sounds like feels, exactly what this movie is doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this um, this movie has probably uh, the most heart and the loftiest 
uh, aspirations of the three. Yeah, absolutely. It's the most different from the other two, which makes it a strange... Like, I, I, I saw it in cinemas when it came out. Um, I ended up going back and seeing it. I think I saw it four times all up. It might have been three. Whoa. Um, I certainly remember three separate occasions seeing it, but I feel like I'd gotten four in. And I had a ball with it every single time. But it, there was something... It was a slightly conflicting viewing experience each time. And for reasons that as I've thought about it, I like. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been trying to figure out if if I... I mean it's in the the elevator pitch for this show but i'm trying to figure out if i'm just looking at this thing with with incredibly rose tinted glasses and so i'm hoping that uh throughout the course of this episode we're able to um yeah that's right well what are the things that you're talking about that you feel conflicted on when you were watching it in the cinema um i think we well we talked about uh Shaun of the dead having this kind of run and gun slightly rock and roll look to it um, that felt achievable, and then Hot Fuzz being this polished, pitch perfect, incredibly measured piece, mm-hmm. uh, and then this being the kind of next step up from that. It has the the polish and that that measured approach that Hot Fuzz has, but where Hot Fuzz has this kind of still very youthful, uh, I think, exuberance about it, where it's super fast and cut. Like da, 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 da. And yes, it's because it's a genre piece, but I think it's also coming from an excitedness at like, yeah. you know, having as much fun with this as possible. This feels a lot more nuanced. It, it's it's not jumping everywhere. It's, no, it's kind of, it yeah. I mean, when this came out in uh, 2013, so when I was 20, and I think part of me, I mean, when you're 20, you think you're, you think you're all grown up, but really you're still, you're still quite childish. Mm. I think part of me was looking for that, uh, that rush that I got out of, uh, Hot Fuzz and out of out of uh, Scott Pilgrim. We haven't really mentioned Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, because that, that being the stopgap, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that being the stopgap and that being really steeped in in the the comic book and video game stuff had that high octane feel to it uh, that I got a lot, a lot out of. And this doesn't just it doesn't have that. It's no. got all the the trimmings of an Edgar Wright movie. I think of it's course. like what we've said before. They write what they what their experiences are like at their mm. point in time. Yeah, and so yeah, this absolutely. feels like that as well, where they've moved on from that excited mm. eagerness, mm. that yes. childlikeness to something yes. that's a lot more like a little little bit of a downer kind of, like a little bit depressing. Definitely. Uh, it's it's an interesting uh, movie to review with us because the, the nostalgia theme is so strong uh, mm-hmm. in, in that sort of original term of the word, not just, oh, I'm looking back on something fondly, but it's like, no, you're looking back on something fondly, but there's a bit of sweetness because that's gone and it's never going to come back and you can't have yeah, yeah. that moment again. And that's mm. what Gary King has uh, when he literally says like, It never got better than that night. That was supposed to be the beginning of my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I think it's that it's that tone that made it kind of uh, conflicting. It's that bittersweet quality. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say when when you were sa- when when you mentioned it. That's what I thought straight away is that when you have a tone like that in a film or or, or any type of media, it is mm. difficult because you're like. I enjoyed some of it and I didn't feel like I was enjoying the other part. And you're like, yeah, because mm. you're not supposed to find that part enjoyable. The the mm. the intended purpose is for you to feel that bittersweet kind of element yeah. about it. And so some yeah. people can still enjoy the movie like that. And then some people I find sometimes just uh, say, nah, that I didn't enjoy it because of that. 
So it just mm. it just didn't feel enjoyable to me, and they just like cut it off at that because yeah. it, because it has that element in it. I I mean I liked it enough to see it over and over again, and I I really came away excited by it and saying you know wow I loved that, and I still I still watch it and I still get a lot out of it. I feel like it it doesn't feel quite as neat as Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. No, uh, I, I feel like it's. What it's going for, as I said, it's got loftier aspirations. And so the execution is just a little bit messier than those other two movies. And I, I kind of, I, I can't look, see that as as a, even though I guess it is a, a, a negative, let's call it. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't see it as that. I see it as being part of the whole, like part of the, I see it as being in keeping with the theme of the movie uh, or one of the themes of the movie being that, humanity is flawed and messy and you know yeah i understand what you mean and because the way i think of it is that messiness it starts out very very straight in control and then it gets messier and messier as 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 shit hits the fan Mm. and as the movie goes on and it feels like there's a progression of how that messiness is incorporated Mm -hmm. where it feels like this is actually, this isn't just shitty bad pacing. This is intended. Like I just said before, everything that I feel didn't work for me in Shaun of the Dead works for me in this. Mm -hmm. The, the useless friend in Shaun of the Dead where it's like, Oh, that was fun. How long was that? When was that? Oh, that was five years ago. It's time to fucking grow up. Didn't really do anything for me in that movie. And it's not just because of the age of what I was when I saw the film, because now I've gone back, watched it yeah, as an it still old does person. For you. It still just doesn't hit me the same way that uh, it does in this one. And this one, I it absolutely got me from the start. The opening sequence of being that night when they first attempted the Golden Mile and mm. failed. Such a good, good sequence to, to open it with, seeing the younger versions of them. Before we get introduced to the old old selves, we get to see yeah, yeah. The, uh, the original events in chronological order. I remember sitting up there, blood on my knuckles, beer down my shirt, sick on my shoes, seeing the orange glow of a new dawn break and knowing in my heart life would never feel this good again. And it's a cool way to like map out how this movie is going to progress as well. They do the same thing that they do in in Hot Fuzz, where they kind of give the game away at the start to some degree, and then you're watching it it, it play out. Yeah, this one it feels like they don't have as many lines of dialogue that are callbacks or reused in a, mm. in a different context. Now that we've had this event happen, like yeah, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz does so much. But it, mm-hmm. but the opening sequence definitely does that visually with the sh- with shots. We get the yeah, exact absolutely. same shots, and you know they go to the balls club, and they go to the balls club at the exact same time and stuff. And yeah, they, yeah, they know and to in, meet the, up in, there. in the balls club, they they call it the smoke room where they go and get high. Uh, they say, which is when it all went fuck up. Everyone got para and Pete chucked a whitey, so we had to bench him. Uh, and then in the bowls club later, that's where they all get paranoid and start yeah. worrying that one of them's a, a blank. Yeah, so it's definitely still there, but it doesn't feel as present as in the other two. But I can, even though I, I can, re- I related to that stuff really strongly, even though it's not particularly similar to my childhood, I can just. Hearing those fond memories, I can my brain immediately goes, oh, like, yeah, remember when you had those great parties and stuff like that when you were in high school and your mates Mm. and you did this and that and everything and it wasn't the same kind of shit as them, but it works to relate to that those characters so i yeah, really totally. it really like hooked me in yeah so I, I was very invested in those characters from that get-go yeah and yeah even though 
he is more of a fuck up than absolutely in the first movie, and there's worse things that he does in this movie compared to Shaun of the Dead. The reasons why he does it, the root cause of those problems, is so strong as well that it's a very empathetic uh, portrayal that you're like I feel at least that I'm still very much emotionally invested in even yeah, though totally. these terrible things I can see that I think I've I think I've hit on on the the conflict within me here uh, the movie, I don't think the pacing is as good as Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. And I think the ending feels a little bit confused as to what it wants to say. As a, as a movie, as a standalone movie, I, I, I have the, that kind of, those those kind of things niggle at me a little bit. But as a as the concluding film in this trilogy, I'm able to ignore those things or those things don't bother me or they make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really cool having the, the dynamic of Simon and Nick flipped. Yes, that's something that I really like about this movie as well. And and taking that kind of slacker character that we talked about in in Shaun of the Dead, and even though it's it's not presented with a, a, the the reverence that I that we spoke about that I find annoying that I think American movies do with that that pop culture obsessed uh, you know slacker nerd yeah. kind of character it, it, it is a little bit like you know wink nudge ah he's all right sort of thing he gets it together he still likes playing ps2 and but you know he's he's working on it this is this is going okay but this character still has to grow up like what if this what if this character this slacker who uh everyone's like hey it's gary just did not fucking grow up. And it's been 20 years, not five it's years. Been, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think they do a good job of making the the real reverence part in the opening sequence when it is the present. And then they're not... And so at the time, you're like, oh, yeah, they were kings of the world. Like, you know, they just finished school. Yeah. Oh, that was so awesome. And you can, you can relate and remember, like, what it felt like being young and yeah. stupid and getting drunk like that and being like, yeah, we're fucking yeah. awesome and we're partying and all that shit. But then, and, and yeah, when you see it twenty years later, you're like, no, this is just sad. Yeah, it's not. and hard cutting to <laughs> hard cutting that. to him in in what we assume is rehab. Yeah, uh, or, or what we assume is like a, an AA meeting yes. or something. At the very that least, we later kind of realize is more like a a mental facility um he's you know attempted suicide it it, it, that has more has more weight to it and i think is super relatable because we all everybody can relate to like pining for uh, a time gone or an experience where you thought fuck this is you know this is the best this is like you feel like you're in your own movie it's yeah. magic, but then the and movie no, doesn't end. You don't it keeps have any, going. no cares in the world. Yeah, exactly. There's no other like um, looming problems. You're just like, this is pure joy. Yeah, yeah. But then it gets, then you go back to reality and you you go, oh, I have to get on with life and, and getting on with it. And so the rest of his crew does that and, and get on with, you know, wives and kids and businesses and jobs. Yeah, I can imagine that if... A friend of mine, like I've only been ten years out of high school, but I could imagine if 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 I met up with an old friend that I haven't seen since then, and they still acted exactly the same way as they did yeah. ten years ago, I'd be pretty sick of it pretty pretty fast. Yeah, totally. Uh, but Simon does a really excellent job uh, portraying the the goofy one. Like in in Shaun of the Dead, you had Shaun is kind of a fuck up, but he's mm. kind of got his life together a little bit. And Nick is the bigger fuck up. And then in Hot Fuzz, they're both in that same dynamic, but they're more, they've are they both got more of their shit together. Yeah. 
So Nicholas Angel has his shit on lock and mm. Danny, he's he's not as, as useless. He's just a little bit like... Yeah, well, Danny needs to become, uh, become more of a professional and uh, Nicholas needs to become more of a human. Yeah. And they kind of even each other out in that way. But yeah, him being a little bit more of a professional is just like purely that, just being a little bit of a professional. He has mm. his life together. He's got a house. He's got a job. Yeah, all of those things. So they're both kind of just like a little bit of a step up in the position of the first one. And then in this one, it's a flip of the characters and then a like a bigger divide than ever between yeah, yeah. the levels of having their shit together and not having their shit together. Yeah, so seeing this friendship group reunite and the the two closest members of that friendship group being Gary and Andy, Simon and, and Nick, uh, who we've seen play best friends in, in one way or another in the last two movies, seeing them at odds is is genuinely heartbreaking or it's genuinely it's uncomfortable you see in mum and dad fight sort of thing yeah yeah there's, because there's, there's fighting in the family it's again it's that what you were saying before about the difference between just watching it as a standalone movie and watching it as the conclusion of a trilogy we're yeah. coming in with expectations based on the last mm-hmm. two uh, so mm-hmm. when it gets changed up like that it is confronting yeah absolutely and and i mean it builds up over the over the whole movie but seeing that that last fight scene between Gary and Andy like i mean the the final fight scene the final boss basically gary and andy like punching it out and like having to speak honestly with one another after however many years of of not seeing each other certainly not speaking the way they they are it's genuinely i mean like i i i well up every time i get to that scene i've, yeah. I've cried watching that scene it's yeah uh, it's the, heartbreaking you know it never got better than that night you know what's so important about the golden mile it's all i've got yeah. When he's finally like, you need help, man. And he's like, they told me where to go to bed. Me. It's fucking heartbreaking, man. Yeah. Yeah. Every line is just like daggers. Yeah. 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 Seeing them. And learning uh, over the period of the film, like what? What? Andy too. He's coming. And he's like, yeah, of mm. course. And then we get the revelation that he doesn't drink. And then we get to learn why he doesn't drink and what happened with the accident. Mm. And that's awful as well and you're like yeah of course like he's absolutely justified to be angry about that kind of thing yeah it's like a horrible thing to do especially since they were the best of of all the mates yeah and i mean he and andy says like for fuck's sake you like you were gary fucking king that's not the point you let me down man you were gary king i would have followed you to the end i fucking have fuck yeah. you dude it's that that disappointment because you looked up to yeah. him so so highly yeah yeah i feel like everyone's motivations and and flaws are are really relatable um like andy following that friend to the end of the earth sort of thing you you understand that that like you've got Mm -hmm. mates who you've got mates who are are close who they might be a fuck up they might be cunts in in some regard there you mate you you you'll you know, you go the extra mile for them mm. for, for whatever reason. That, that's that's the thing I, I find so strong about this movie and so compelling is that we don't get to our first uh, ro- not robot, robot fight scene until like 40 minutes into the film. We find yeah, out that- Yeah, it's like, the fourth pub. We sort of understand, again, going into this trilogy, there's trailers and that sort of thing. We sort of understand, we know to expect something uh, supernatural, but- just the characters and the plot itself without that is so compelling that I could yeah. watch the whole movie and there wouldn't be any of that stuff. Like This is the thing. I almost find I find the character stuff more compelling. I find that to be that's my favorite stuff in this movie. 
I almost feel like the fact that this movie has to be the final chapter in the Cornetto trilogy, it has to have the the trimmings of, of that, of being part of that trilogy. So it has to find a genre to, to kind of paying homage to or mm. I feel like that's where things get a little bit messy. I I see that, but I don't know. I, I do not really- that it, not that it- I do really enjoy that stuff and I feel like they're not just going for a specific like genre like I guess it's invasion of the body snatchers kind of territory that not that I've actually seen that I just know of it and it sounds mm. like it's a similar kind of description yeah. but I feel like body snatchers stepford wives even even something like the faculty I don't know if that would have been a, a direct uh, or like yeah, an, whether an, that uh, actually an, like an inspiration an inspiration I guess I was just about to say I feel like they do it they do their robots very uniquely and, and creatively that doesn't just feel like the same as anything else. But then in saying that, I haven't watched any of those uh, things that you just referenced that are of a similar genre, so I can't actually say for sure whether or not they are doing a really unique take on it. I Look, I'm not... This of the three genres that this trilogy kind of plays up, this is the one I'm the least familiar with. So I'm kind of in a similar boat to you. I've seen a handful of the the biggins, and as far as those go, yeah, this is. I think this is a, a really cool take on the idea of this uh, large, you know, homogenizing force. Yeah, really cool designs and fucking incredible fight scenes. Yeah, the fight scenes are, are fantastic. I think. That's they, they just blow me away every time. The the choreography and the cinematography during yeah, them I is think it was, it was so it Bill impressive. Pope on this one, I think I think it was Bill Pope who worked with him on uh yes, who worked with him on Scott Pilgrim, worked on Army of Darkness, funnily enough, which okay. when I first or I think like the second or third time I saw it in cinemas, that that last sequence uh, where it's all like post apocalyptic and stuff, I was like, This is some Army of Darkness shit. <laughs> uh, and and then sure enough. And yeah, it's it's fantastic, and they've clearly got a, a good. They know how to work with one another to bring out the best in in this film. Oh yeah, the they they're so slick and smooth. They stand up against your your like John Wicks and like the best of those sorts of action movies that aren't action comedies. Mm. They're just fully fledged action movies, and they and, and they don't have as good fight scenes as this. Yeah, totally. And there's a lot of that stuff with with the actual actors. Like, it doesn't look like there's a heap of stunt replacement stuff because we're getting to see long takes of our our leading stars in those fight scenes. Which which fight scene is your favorite? Oh, I think it's got to be the bar. The bathroom probably is really good. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then yeah, as you go on, it's just they're all really good. The massive crazy one in the bar, the when, beehive uh, with Andy, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. fucking hate this town. Yeah. That's pretty funny. And then I was fucking sort of- 20 seconds to go play. <laughs> oh, my God. Which, always- funnily enough, the the uh, original version of that track starts with uh, samples from Robocop. Has the- That's awesome. What's, what's the fucking ro- the, the, Ed, the big Robocop? 209? Ed 209. It's got Ed 209 being like, 20 seconds to go play. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's a funny- I don't know if it is like a little joke, but I see it as a little joke. That you've got Timothy Dalton in Hot Fuzz as the the that supporting older cast member, and then in this movie it's Pierce Brosnan, and I'm like, you think they're just getting bonds? I'm just like, yeah, they're bonds. It it could yeah. just be a complete coincidence, but 
They should have had bloody Roger Moore in um in Shaun of the Dead as someone, and then then it definitely would have been a thing. I love the way that he talks to. I like the way that Pierce Brosnan talks to all of them when they're in the bar, though. Yeah, like how he he's still talking talks to them, to like, them like children, like, uh, a teacher and stuff, and they're so and, and drunk the, that it, it works that they're that yeah, they're like yeah, acting yeah. like kids. Uh, when O Man gets placed. His replicant, he, he, the blank version of him, because they have the whole like selective memory thing and they retain certain characteristics or traits of the original. He, being a, a real estate dude, speaks to them like he's selling them a house. Yeah. So he's like, you're saying they're not here to, you know, <laughs> yeah, to kill us. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, well, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, kind he's of like being spoon feeding him stuff. Chipper and stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Soft yeah. Softballing, yeah. being on his side. Yeah, I love that. It's, 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 a, it's cool because you recognize it before that. They I feel start- like you do, but you don't recognize it until they want you to recognize it. Mm. Like you don't, you don't kind of go, uh oh, until right after the the school disco, the yeah. mermaid. Yeah. I think is the bar. Yeah, when when he first goes in, like I forgot, and I was feeling this time watching it, just like he's like, oh no, he's just having a good time. He's like getting into the spirit. Yeah. When he yeah, calls yeah. him oh man, and he's like, you got it, and he's going going go to get drinks. But then after they get out of the disco, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's sus. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, you realise that you're like, oh, wait. Yeah, they called him O-Man and he didn't give a shit about it. Mm, that, like, mm. that really pisses him off normally. Yeah. Even when uh, and when uh, Peter makes a, like, makes a joke about their, uh, them trying to get off with his sister uh, and in all the other instances he's like cracked the shits really hard. Yeah, yeah. When it's, when it's the, the, the blank, he's like, oh, Andy. Or, you know, oh, Peter, like yeah. he sounds like he's putting it on. And we get all of our um, little spaced cameos in this movie as well. Yeah, totally. So cool. Um, you got Marsha and Tyres and... Yeah, Brian. Uh, Brian, yeah, I love... that. That's a great scene when they go to that, that bar. Ah, gentlemen, the prodigal son's return. What'll it be? One of our guest ales, perchance? Uh, Might I recommend five pints of crowning glory? Rather fitting, wouldn't you say, Gary? What? Sorry, what? It's a delightful brew. Hoppy, nutty, foamy. Does it have a surprisingly fruity note that lingers on the tongue? You're obviously a connoisseur. Then you'll already know that it's a rare treat for rogues, reverends, a royalty and all good folks between. Welcome home, boys. And uh, another another line that, like you were saying, those ones that kind of give everything away. I love that Mm -hmm. the first two, the interiors of the first two pubs are identical. They just shoot the same location and they call it that they're Starbucksing. The pubs, yeah, and then at, yeah. The, then at the end, he's like, "You can't Starbucks us because that's what they're yeah. doing. They're going around to planets Quit and Starbucking us, man." Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I think the the what I'm trying to grapple with is that I've, I've talked with other people about this movie, and I and I I really like this movie, but I've heard other people say, "Eh, it left me wanting," and explained why, and I can kind of see their point, but I am incredibly biased in in liking this movie, so I'm I'm trying to see the the flaws in it but i am i'm i'm so in love with this series of movies that i kind of i can't whole wholeheartedly agree with the the things that people say are, are shortcomings of it i understand I that just- i can't i can't speak to the exact shortcomings that they were talking about but i mm-hmm. feel like if someone was like this left me wanting i can understand and i feel that's sort of the point that yeah, that okay. that bittersweet nostalgia kind of aspect of the movie isn't going to give you a nice happy conclusion where you're like mm. everything worked out oh they all learnt their lessons and everyone got better and became a better person for it like it doesn't feel like that's 
the kind of ending that you would do in a movie about this topic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, because I have heard the ending cited as as the thing that people have gone like I didn't find that like that wasn't a satisfying ending the fact that he that that the world literally ends and that gary kind of completes his arc like he yeah he 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 becomes a full person he just needed an apocalypse to happen to be able to thrive in that well he triggered the apocalypse yes you know like he he ceased these self-destructive habits while com- like uh, bringing utter destruction to the world, like I can mm-hmm. see why people get uh, hung up on that, or why that that leaves people with a, a bad taste in their mouth. I, yeah. I like I, I I really like this film. Yeah, I like it. I think it's that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you can't have it both ways. For for one of for one of for one aspect to be better, the other mm. can't be. You can't have it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And that's what I find people the most have problems with when watching media is when they do want, they just want the ending they want, even if it wouldn't fit the movie. Like, I don't, I don't Mm. think that if we got that ending, it would feel like an improvement or it would feel more fulfilling. I feel like it could backfire and feel less fulfilling than this type of ending that's open-ended yeah. and not very conclusive i just feel like it's 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 strange where uh and these are these are themes that i think or, or ideas that are in the movie that are definitely in the movie that i think come to clash or are a little bit at odds with each other in terms of what they're trying to say at the end like throughout the movie there's a series of like gary almost and they say this in the in the commentary he like triggers his own intervention uh, kind of multiple times in in various ways, like when yeah. he's at the bar before it, when he does like wants them to do shots, and they all kind of go, "What the fuck are you doing, man? Like this isn't right," and and have to like speak honestly with him, and he's having none of it. Um, and then later on, uh, Sam like sees through his bullshit immediately, and is like. Yeah. What happened, Gary? And he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm same old Gary. And later on, she's like speaking with him. She's like, it doesn't have to be all about that night and, and stuff like that. And then finally, the Andy and him having the big fight. And that's that stuff's all great. And then they want it to build to this idea of this cosmic intervention. Literally, the like the, this this cosmic entity intervenes yeah. on him and and the human race to, to a degree. But at the same time, they want the, the network this entity, this homogenous force to be the bad guy. And surely like, I don't know. I think it, it, it's, it, I guess it's kind of in keeping with the fact that it's, it's uh, can't be, it's not supposed to be black and white. Yeah. The fact that they, they are there for our, the, the, the network say they're there for our betterment and that it's all for the greater they probably good. are. Well, that, that like in this case, they probably, they probably are like, you can see that, that humanity is, is, is messy and that. It's full of fuck ups, and, but again, and they if you say need to replace like ninety eight percent of the population with robots that aren't fuck ups in order to yeah. make it all right. You're like, is it worth living in the matrix if everything's all nice and dandy? Yeah, like- totally. I just feel like that stuff flies in the face of the intervention kind of angle because intervention is normally seen as uh, a, a good thing. Yeah, I guess it serves that purpose because he gets something out of it and changes his behavior because of it, even though it isn't a yeah. good thing. I was because I was listening to the like I'm I'm thinking about it, just thinking about it out loud in the, in the commentary. They do 
talk about that scene uh, with the like confronting the network as being this this cosmic intervention thing. Mm. I feel like maybe that's um, like that's a fun idea, but it, I, I feel like it does fly in the face of the the actual uh, interventions up to that point. I think it, it, Gary's relationship with the network, like the network, is this manifestation of his fears of uh, having to conform and losing his identity, you know, as as Gary fucking King and stuff, and having to grow up and having to to fit in. But that scene also functions as him kind of completing his arc. Like he literally puts the pint down after the the previous um, fight. Uh, fight. Over- not over wanting a to pint, put it down, putting it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Finally, puts it down, and when is offered, like here's the opportunity to stay young forever and relive these glory days forever. He goes nah and rejects that. I don't know. Do you feel like that stuff is like apparent enough in that scene? Because I feel like watching that scene, you kind of going like you're laughing because you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck these robots and stuff. But you still want Gary to get help. Yeah. And these guys are offering help or something. I don't but know. Not, they're not really because it's mm. it's that that whole thing of the whenever there's something like that in movies of cloning or teleportation or whatever it is. I'm at least always conscious of yeah. But if you cloned that body or you disintegrate me at like an atom level and then re put me uh. back together somewhere else like consciousness isn't in that body it's just a body acting exactly like i would be but i'm not actually yeah. experiencing and living through that and yeah. that's that's what the young gary king is they're not really offering him to live like that they're saying this version of you will live on forever as your legacy but he's going to get turned into mulch yeah yeah so i don't so it's uh, yeah i don't really see it as them offering help i see it as it's that thing of Essentially, what they're the whole their their whole grand plan is like slavery version of world peace. Yeah, yeah. Where it's not really world peace if you have to uh, force everyone into complying and and otherwise they die. That's not mm. <laughs> that's that's not peace. Yeah, so their, I think their ideologies are so conflicted that I don't see that as a. But I guess that makes it. It. it I think it is that scene. When it comes to the end of the movie, there's sort of those those that difference of I can understand that cosmic intervention scene not feeling like a very satisfying ending, and mm. I can understand like like you're saying, there's sort of uh, mixed signals and the certain elements and themes not like gelling together in that scene of what it's really mm. like telling us about the movie, and then there's the the actual end of. Nick Frost's character giving a narration, seeing what mm. happened after the fact and what Gary King is doing now. Yeah, that sequence. That sequence like, makes a bit more sense and it kind of helps to clarify the previous one a little bit. But Yeah, that gives me more closure than the, the than that scene with the the network. And I that's think. that's the stuff that I like where I'm saying you can't have it both ways. It's like, yeah, he did Wherever he is, I hope he's happy. That's all he ever wanted, really. To have a good time. I just hope he found it beyond the bottom of a glass. Um, and that's what we, we see, that he's he's ordering five waters in the end of the movie. When at the beginning of the movie he was so offended by the idea of four four pints and one of water. Yeah, the idea that he uh, all, all he wanted was to recapture that, that feeling of being on you know an adventure with 
uh, with his people. So he's um, thriving, the, the, but the, the world the beer was like a uh, a crutch and mm. an excuse. Yeah, and learning to enjoy it without that is mm. healthier. But again, mm. the world's been destroyed by his own hands, so everything's not yeah. great everywhere else. And that's the bittersweet stuff that I think works and I enjoy. Yeah, I, I guess it's just it feels like a different bittersweet to the nostalgic bittersweet. Yeah, a little bit. But I couldn't couldn't blame anyone if they said, yeah, the cosmic intervention scene is a little bit mixed signals. I'd be like, yep, no, that's fair enough. The more I think about mm. it now, it's like, yeah, I guess I just haven't. I definitely haven't seen this movie as many times as you. I've probably mm. only seen it like three times in total where you saw it three times in the cinema. Yeah, right. And the thing is, like, even though I think the execution leaves some people, um, and I can, and and I've been kind of vocalizing this stuff um, because I've heard people say this, and I'm trying to understand that as well as my own feelings of of quite liking this movie and turning a blind eye to that stuff. As much as I can, I can see that point. I do like the themes presented. I like the or the ideas presented in that in that scene, like. Or looking at it as as an intervention on the the or not not an intervention, um, but the idea of the the network, you know, starbucking and it maybe being for our better, maybe it all looks quite pretty and everyone's getting along. Everyone became quite friendly as as uh, old nut job and the shifty twins, <laughs> as he says. But you lose the human element and that that humanity is kind of impossible to suppress it will it will it will get out one way or another even the the moment where like earlier in the movie in the in the flashback sequence we'll see o-man giving his mates the finger and then the uh blank version of o-man with the soccer ball like stuck on his head or, or no before he's got the soccer ball stuck on his head uh when people are like throwing, throwing shit coins at him in his head and he gives him the finger and it's mm. almost like that that like that like selective memory and the traits that they've uh, held on to from the original without the network there to control that stuff or to give them a, a purpose or a reason to to be has kind of morphed into its own humanity mm, yeah. or, or, or is becoming more more human. They mentioned in the in the commentary they found they, they thought it was the the line. I mean, it's just it's funny on its own, but um, the network when it's finally like you know you will be left to your own devices. You know, really, yeah. Fuck it, fuck it. That like the fact that it says fuck it, it almost implies that 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 humanity, that kind of attitude, has almost infected the network. Yeah, and that it's going to be going back to other things with like with fuck it in its in its uh, dictionary. You mentioned earlier, there's less of that like um, foreshadowing and stuff, or it's less on the nose. We've talked about it being less high octane than than Hot Fuzz and Scott Pilgrim and stuff. I feel like this is a super a super personal story. Like it feels like they're working through a lot of shit. Yeah. Um. In in this movie, it feels like a lot a much more mature movie coming from much more mature people. Yeah. And I th- I feel as though we've talked about movies that become better uh, with age or that that we get more out of as we get older. I think this will be one of those for me. I think I will understand. Uh, those points of view or that that nostalgia a lot better as I get older. I think at the moment, part of maybe part of my not getting it is I haven't reached that that point in my life yet where it's really going to resonate. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll, we'll come back in ten years and revisit it again. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think I think like a lot of it feels like it's coming from lived experience in one way or another, and that they're they're working through some stuff. And I think that's become apparent in recent years where Simon has become a lot more open in speaking about his own struggles with alcoholism and depression and 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 stuff like that. And I listening to the the commentary, he doesn't make any mention of his own experiences in relation to this this stuff. And I feel like I would love to hear just how much his own experiences informed this character and how he chose to portray it and stuff. Uh, I feel like there's there's something being like held back in in that regard at least at the time that they recorded those. Because I, I was looking around for stuff, and it really it seems like the earliest mention I can I can find of him speaking openly about alcoholism and stuff is 2018. So much um, much later after the yeah, film's release, yeah. and they normally shoot like those audio commentaries are very very shortly after the film's actually finished. So I feel like maybe that that messy quality is coming from perhaps still being in not in the thick of it, but still kind of making heads or tails of of the stuff that they're talking about themselves and as much as we we've uh, I've, we've talked about it and I've I've kind of like scratched and, and nitpicked a little bit at the at, at some some stuff that I think clashes I kind of like that quality about it yeah same so after all that what do you think this movie like in in terms of the three of them where where does this movie sit for you so can you, can you rank them I think I can or at least I said I was going to give a definitive statement Fairly definitive in in terms of this podcast is obviously about going back and revisiting movies. This might change as time goes on. Shaun of the Dead is definitely at the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just yeah. like the the next two afterwards so much more. I think that just uh, objectively on a technical level, Hot Fuzz is the best made of all of them. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that I like in World's End is is that quality of that nostalgia for the past and the bittersweetness and the really personal story that has a lot of heart and a lot of um, yeah emotion to it that's mm. not just uh, used for, for for joke fodder. They take all of that stuff really seriously. Yeah. I think World's End is my favourite. Wow. Okay, cool. I appreciate it more for trying to have those lofty heights and attempting it. Mm. As well as that feeling that The World's End gives me, I think is a more complex and difficult emotion to convey in a film than just making me laugh. Mm. So I think I value that more in this than just the, the sheer hilarity of Hot Fuzz. Yeah, wow. That's that's beautifully put, dude. And you know what? You, you've you swayed me. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying World's End is my favourite, but I've been umming and ahhing about Shaun of the Dead and, and uh, yep, The World's yep. End, where to put them. And I think Hot Fuzz is, is absolutely my favourite. It's it's my favourite film of all time. Um, it's what made me want to create and and entertain. Then uh, The World's End for what you just said, beautiful. And then, then Shaun of the Dead just Ditto. because it's got to go there. <laughs> I think something else uh, too is you mentioned that it's, it tries to have those, those lofty those lofty things and that's admirable. That's a fucking Pixar rule, dude. That's right. That's what Boom. I was. That's what I was thinking of just when yeah, you asked me. I was dude. like, I'm going to talk. That it's that Pixar rule of valuing. It's that Pixar rule. Trying, yeah. trying more than what it for for what it's trying to do more than what it's actually achieving. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 admirable. And I think I think it's deliberate. I don't think they I don't think they made this 
for I, I almost feel like they they partially didn't make this wanting to please fans of the other two completely. Like they they and could I, have given I, us. I also in, I like it for that. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. just want so to be given the same thing. That's what I was going to say. That Hot Fuzz so slick, so perfectly put together. If they didn't have any more ambition than what Hot Fuzz was for the third one, I would mm. kind of be disappointed. That it was just like, yeah, okay, we can do that quality of film. Let's just bust out another one of that quality. They, It feels yeah. like they are actually still growing and learning and going, okay, we want to tr- try this now, which is a, a more difficult task than- Yeah, they, they took than, some risks. Than doing what Hot Fuzz is. Yeah, tried some new stuff and, and challenged themselves. And I think that's why, like, in terms of talking about, like, the techniques or the, the foreshadowing stuff, we would be repeating so much old ground. We've gone over that stuff with the other two movies. I feel like this, this I wanted to, to talk more about what it does differently. And, yeah. and it's that, it's the thematic stuff. So, like, how much would you say these movies have uh, influenced your tastes or, like, you? Do you think, like, you could... Do, do these movies mean a lot to you? Do you think... They do mean a lot to me, but it's kind of hard to place because it's not... They're not... I think I think maybe I like World's End the most because it is the closest to the kind of stories I would want to tell in that setting. Because as much as I admire the hell out of them, anything that's really well made gives me like sort of uh, inspiration and lights that fire within me. Mm. But they're not the kind of things I think my strengths are and what I normally mm. lean towards when I'm when I'm wanting to tell a story compared to you, where you're like, "This is my shit." Holy shit, this mm. speaks to me like how like how you've spoken. It does. I like trilogies of films from a a director point of view or a writer-director point of view, since I fancy myself one of those or both of those. Mm-hmm. We fancy you. When it's a <laughs> when it's a trilogy, like thematically but not plot-wise. Yeah. Similarly, how Christopher Nolan has the trilogy. In between his Dark Knight trilogy, he has the prestige, Inception, and Interstellar mm-hmm. as the three that uh, he made in between. Um, he didn't do... The, the three Batmans back to back. I think mm-hmm. it was every second year he went and did. And they're all they're all very Nolan-esque films that ha- deal with those sorts of things that he likes to deal with and time and space and nonlinear um, storytelling. And I just really enjoy that sort of that sort of experience where you get to uh, get a sense for the director that it's a consistent voice telling these stories and you're getting to see Mm. the progression of where they go with the next film and what they do with it when they're not bound to it's got to be a sequel to batman okay what's what's going to happen in the next batman who's he going to fight who which villain are we going to pick what's going to happen to the city what's his uh, that character arc going to be when you don't have to worry about that those sort of fine details of a script for a sequel Mm. sequels can be so hit and miss well they're more miss than hit but even when they are a good sequel, some people can just not prefer them as much because you know, they don't feel the same as those previous ones. Yeah. So you can kind of explore as a filmmaker. It's a spiritual sequel. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of thematic trilogy thing kind of, it frees the creators up to uh, try different things mm. and not be confined to... It's the same thing I value in one of my favourite films of all time, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, mm-hmm. And that it is actually a sister film to The Devil's Backbone, which is a, another Spanish film that he made previously. And I, ha- I not, haven't seen that one. They're not direct sequels, but they share so much uh, like technique and similar similarities 
mm-hmm. they're just it's really neat to kind of do yeah. that as an exercise. Yeah, yeah, it is, uh, and it's been a lot of fun looking, at, and it always is. But but I guess going through with a fine tooth comb for these, it is, has has been so much fun going through and looking at what how Edgar's direction and editing and the way he shoots has evolved, how they tell a story has changed, what fascinates them has remained kind of fundamentally the same, but the way they go about expressing that is, has changed or become more more mature. I've, I've been like racking my brain trying to, because I love these films, I try not to like define myself by my likes, but there are a few things where I'm like, no, this this kind of, this defines me to a, to, to some degree. And I've been trying to figure out why, because I, I it's it's... It's deeper than, or it's more than just. They're really cool movies, and they got they got references to other cool movies. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think looking back, what what I love about these movies is that they're not only a, a love letter to to film and, and cinema and stuff, but as we've kind of gone through these movies, I, I feel like we've found that they're just as much a love letter to suburban and rural mundanity and mm. some of the the things that make that experience of existence not just uh bearable but wonderful uh the most the most consistent theme in these through across these movies uh to me or the one that reaches me the most is is that of of mateship and and the the love between friends being as important as romantic love if not more so Mm. Those those heart to hearts on a couch, or or in the case of these movies, more commonly in a pub, those real real belly laughs and and moments of gaining a, a greater understanding of yourself and your loved ones, the, 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 those moments that will stick with you and that you'll cherish and will will be enough will mean enough to you that you'll remember them just to to tell someone else about them you'll remember them longer than way way longer than you know long after you've forgotten the shit that you thought was important at the time mm. you'll remember those little moments and you'll tell them to other people the way that the cun in fucking field of dreams tells uh james <laughs> l jones you know i think there's a there's a passion for life and an appreciation of the wonderful and inherently uh, absurd nature of of human existence and and, and of modern existence in these movies, as well as a love of film. And not just because they're clever clogs with a a hard-on for Scorsese, but because they understand that one enriches the other. You know, film offers us sanctuary and... Uh, escapism and counsel when we need it most and it and 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 life in turn offers constant inspiration endless inspiration for for filmmakers and, and creatives of all sorts and i guess what what better way to express that love than by paying homage to the movies that spoke to them uh in one way or another uh in their own movies and ultimately contributing to that creative cycle you know i think that's that's what i love about these movies beautifully put that was great. Cheers. Well, fucking trilogy over, dude. We Woo! did it. We did it. That was that was awesome. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. And we hope you did as well. As <laughs> you listening at home. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to support us, best thing you can do at this point is just share the podcast. Uh, we'd love to know what you thought of this week's episode or any episode, in fact. You can hit us at Rose Tint Review on uh, Twitter. You can hit us at Rose Tinted Review on Instagram and Facebook. And tell us. I've got two things. There's two things I want to ask. I want to. What do you want to know? I want to know what 
what other people would rank their favorites Ooh, of the yeah, trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your ranking? I want to know your ranking. That, that would be interesting to hear from people. And the other thing I want to know is, do you have an, an amazing memory of a night long ago with mates of drinking or whatever like in this? <sighs> and, and yeah, a good time like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great question. I don't have we've, one we've... prepared myself, but... This episode's uh, gone I, long enough, so... Yeah, I have so fucking many uh, ridiculous nights out that I'm like, this shit's magical, and I <laughs> hope to one day capture them in, in a way similar to The World's End does. Uh, next episode. Uh, so I was... There's, there's hell, a few, you got any ideas? There's a few that I was tossing up between. There was a few comedies that I was thinking of, and I was like, I don't want to do another comedy, like, following these three. Mm-hmm. That would be a bit harsh. So instead... We've been laughing enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Time to, <laughs> time to feel something. <laughs> something bad. Um, no, uh, in your in your wrap-up speech, uh, you said uh, movies can provide sanctuary and escapism, and this is one that I have been... Uh, f- Finding those qualities uh, much strong, much more strongly than I first saw it, and I've similar to Field of Dreams. I've Ooh. been rewatching this film like a couple of times a year for the past three or four years. Um, okay. I've been really, really digging it for those qualities. So next week we are going to watch the last of the Mohicans. Oh my god! I have okay. I've not seen this movie, but I was talking with my dad about Field of Dreams uh, a, a couple of weeks back, and he's like, "You seen the Last of Mohicans?" I was like, "Nah." He's like, "You should fucking watch the Last of Mohicans, dude. It's like very, very similar." That's so weird that he. That's that, wild. That he that he drew that same connection. Yeah. Because yeah, they don't really seem like they have a, a connection at all. But yeah. <laughs> Okay, all right, all right, cool. Fuck yeah. All right, I'm, I'm excited for that. That's going to be that's great. That's got me even more excited for it. Excellent. Yeah. So, watch the movie along with us if, you, uh-huh. if you're interested. Then you can come back and hear what we thought of it uh, and join us next time when we find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses.